Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You're listening to episode number 168. Our Sunday worship service for June 14th, 2020 is Feel Healing. Life finds a way. Real healing is not just possible. It is what we were made for. So our scripture today is Mark 6, 56. Wherever he entered villages or cities or countryside, they were laying the sick in the marketplaces and imploring him that they might just touch the fringe of his cloak. And as many as touched it were being cured. So in some ways, this is sort of the the Jesus Christ job description. You know what I mean? He goes to this place and Everyone is coming out and everyone says, I just want to touch the hem of your garment. I just want some kind of a moment. I just want to have some kind of connection with something bigger than I am. I need this healing. And I think that even though it's not a surprising part of Scripture, I mean, think about that, by the way. Think about the fact that you see this amazing thing happen, this miracle of healing over and over and over again. All these people healed all over the place. The fact that we can read that and go, yeah, 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 that's Jesus. It's pretty amazing. And I'm not here to caution you about uh, uh, taking Jesus for granted. In fact, quite the opposite. I want to remind you that life just happens because God already is. And so in some ways, it's completely appropriate to go, yeah, yeah, healing happens. No big deal. Because in a way, the healing won't happen for you until it becomes no big deal. Think about how that might work for you. I love that story because it's not especially noteworthy because this is just kind of how Jesus does his thing. The healing ministry is a hallmark of what Jesus was up to throughout. Jesus is in the life business, right? So much so that if you know your scripture, you know that this story happens right after Jesus is walking on the water. You know that story. You've heard that one before. The disciples are in the boat. They don't have Jesus with them. And it's hard to row because they're going against the wind. They see this guy coming across the water. I love the fact that that we take the healing for granted, but the disciples in the story don't even know it's Jesus. They think it's a ghost, like all of a sudden they've been transplanted into an episode of Scooby-Doo or something. But then they realize, oh, wait, Jesus, of course, Jesus. But the point is, Jesus does this amazing miracle of walking across the water, but the point of the miracle of walking across the water is just to get across to where the healing has to happen. In other words, no big deal. There's something wonderful when we get to the place where we realize that healing is wonderful, important, vital, essential, but no big deal. The point of the miracle isn't the miracle, if you know what I mean. The miracle is a byproduct of some inner relationship. And so one of the things I want to tell you about the healing journey that you're on, the miracle journey that you're on, is get to the place where you're not so fixated on the end result, but rather get to the place where you are working on a continuous and continual relationship with God. And to the degree that you can give yourself to that connection, the healings will happen and they will be no big deal. The revolution will happen and it will be no big deal. The prosperity demonstration, the relationship working out, the whatever it is, will happen and it will be no big deal. And I want to be careful when I say all of that. I, I believe it and I know it and I've seen it. But I want to be careful when I say that because in the spiritual world, 
We talk about the idea of being non-attached to the outcome, right? You've heard that before. Be radically non-attached to the way that things happen. Be like one of those monks you see and just don't care about the way that things happen as a result. Don't get fixated on the byproducts. And there's a wonderful spiritual truth to that, right? Don't get caught up in, in what people are going to say about what you do. Don't get caught up in how it's going to work out because that's God's job and the whole thing. Very true. But... There's a little bit of a, of a gotcha there because I think some people think, okay, I'm supposed to be unattached to the outcome. That means, and they do this weird little bit of math where all of a sudden it means there shouldn't be an outcome. And understand that those are two different things, but you know as well as I do that there are places that you can go on a Sunday morning or frankly any day of the week, any time of the day, where somebody will say, if you were really spiritual, all you would think about is how you're supposed to escape you're not really even here. You're just a ghost walking across the water. It's not real. None of it's real. And so it's a great way to let yourself off the hook if your spiritual teaching doesn't actually do anything. If I can say, well, don't expect it to do anything. Didn't you read the fine print? But that is not what Jesus talked about. When Jesus spoke, people were healed. Changes happened. Stuff took place, right? It happened. It just wasn't the point. And that is an important balance. What I'm trying to tell you is that I want you to expect results from your life. That's the deal. Do not let the results define you. Don't let the results tell you who you are. But rather, if you're doing things in your life, if you're praying and thinking and living your life and having these thoughts and reading whatever books you're reading and doing whatever it is you're doing and nothing is happening as a result, that can tell you something very important. It's not about the results, but the results can tell you where you might need to make some changes. Expect results from your life and let those results fine-tune what you do to cultivate your inner relationship with God. That's how this works. Expect results. Don't get caught up in the results. If you're in a loving relationship with someone, it's not about the flowers and the poetry, right? It's about the love. On the other hand, if you have these loving feelings, but you can't do anything about them, huh, something needs to change, right? That's what I mean. It's like that, but with God. It's like that, but with healing. It's like that, but with miracles. Expect results, and those results will tell you what to change. And that's important because at the end of the day, that's the work that we do when we are healing. The healing work is a work of change. The healing work is a work of growth. If you've been around this stuff, if you've heard me talk for more than five minutes, one way or another, you've heard the story of Myrtle Fillmore. And this is a story that, that has its roots in the late 1800s. And in that time period, Myrtle Fillmore was diagnosed with tuberculosis. And during those days, people talked about tuberculosis in the way that we might talk about like AIDS or cancer or something like that. It's a death sentence and you've got it. You've inherited it somehow or another. Here you go. Enjoy it. But don't enjoy it for long because you don't have long. That's kind of the deal. Now, like, uh, like any of us, Myrtle saw all kinds of doctors and all kinds of healers and all kinds of experts and read every kind of book you could. That kind of thing. Imagine what you would do. If somebody you loved was diagnosed in that way, you just, you just do whatever you can. But nothing really worked, and I, I guess nobody really expected anything to work, but you just try anyway, you know? But in a moment of absolute surrender, Myrtle went to this lecture, and at the lecture, 
the guy giving the lecture said something really interesting. It hadn't occurred to her before. The guy said, you are a child of God. Therefore, you do not inherit sickness. You're a child of God, and therefore you don't inherit sickness. I mean, that's simple math, and it makes complete sense. God doesn't get sick. I'm made in the image and likeness of God. Therefore, there is a higher truth about me. Yes, the diagnosis that the doctors have made is factual, but it doesn't have to be actual. You know what I mean? There, there is a deeper truth about me. Now, I'll be honest with you. It wasn't like all of a sudden, bing, bong, boom, and, and no more tuberculosis. It took a very long time for Myrtle to work with this idea, to think about it and pray it through and really give herself over to a deeper and truer identity than her physicality, her biology, her ailment, to define herself differently. And it took a very long time. But after a very long time, that they didn't think she had. What she didn't have was tuberculosis. Myrtle was healed from that. And the healing was so dramatic and so amazing that people came from all over to just talk with her and pray with her and, and work on that. And it was the beginning of something pretty wonderful. But it was also the beginning of a misconception. I want to share that with you. I mean, go back with me. The basic idea is I'm a child of God, and therefore I do not inherit sickness. In other words, here's a thing that has always been true about me. I get this identity from God. It's not a new thing. It is a forever thing, right? And my healing, Myrtle might say, is a result of getting in agreement with this thing that has always been true. That's the flow, when it works right. And yet... Before too long, people who read Myrtle's books and thought about that and prayed with her started to change things. And over the years and over the decades, it moved from, I'm here to acknowledge something that has always been true into something a little bit different. And that difference is, if I pray really hard, I can make something that's not true into something that I want. And I can law of attraction myself into it, or I can talk God into it, or by sending out the right vibes, I can move things around outside. And that's not the same thing at all. Because if there's me doing this work and there's this thing outside that I'm trying to change, there's a duality there when healing comes from a unity. And that unity gets forgotten sometimes when it's so much fun to do magic tricks. But remember, walking across the water isn't about walking across the water. The healing isn't even about the healing. The point is acknowledgement of life that never ends and always was. And that is profoundly different. What I'm trying to say is one of the things that makes healing work is an understanding that I don't do my work outside. I'm not trying to change something out in the world. The work I do is to change something in me. If you want to heal, let that be where your focus is. I'm here to change something in me, and as a byproduct, the world will do what it needs to do. And it's not even my job. And it's a waste of time, frankly, to try and do stuff out there. That's not how this works. Think of it this way. Life finds a way, just like Jeff Goldblum says, it works. Your body wants to heal. You are programmed for life and evolution and action and motion and healing. Bio biologically, spiritually, you know God already loves you, right? So what are you doing? We're going to have to get to a place where our definition of faith is not, if I pretend real hard, this will work. That's not faith. That's a lie. 
And you know you can't lie to yourself, and you sure as heck can't lie to God, so what's the point of that? We're going to have to get to a place where healing and miracles and whatever it is that we're working on and praying about and yearning for comes from somewhere different. It comes from something that we change inside. The deal is that I am a child of God and therefore I do not inherit sickness was the hem of that garment, was just the beginning of an idea. And the time it took for Myrtle's healing is the time it took for her to really agree with that idea. In other words, the idea was just the edge of something. It's the feeling that does the healing. You know what I mean? That's the thing. So how can you feel it? It's not about how can you pretend it. How can you agree with it? And how can you feel it? And that's a very big deal. I think a lot of people think that that the spiritual thing, the metaphysical thing has something to do with if I can pretend really hard, I can make stuff happen sort of a magical thinking kind of an idea that that I can have a new car because I want one real bad. And if I want one bad enough, and if I say new car, new car, new car enough times, like some kind of magic spell, or maybe it's just like singing, I'm I'm Henry VIII, I am to God until God gets sick of it. I don't know. But it never works that way. And you know that. That's why there are so many people selling basically the same book over and over again, because people keep trying and it never, never works because that's not how any of this happens. Let me give you a different example. I'm sick of the corona thing. You're sick of it. Nobody wants to be quarantined anymore. It's boring. I've seen everything Netflix has to offer. You have too. You know the deal. But healing doesn't happen because we're sick of something. It doesn't, that sickness, we're talking about healing. Healing doesn't happen because we're bored with corona. It's not like all of a sudden there's no corona anymore just because I'm tired of it. And yet there are lots of people walking around acting like it's not a thing. Even people acting like it's not a thing based on some kind of a faith claim. But that's not healing. Ignorance is not healing. Healing comes from acknowledgement, which is the opposite of ignorance, the opposite of pretending. In other words, you can't heal this thing just because you're sick of it. The healing only comes, here's the deal, the healing only comes when you learn something. The healing only comes when you learn something. So if you want to get over the corona thing, ask yourself, how can I be changed by this? How can I grow from this? How can I learn the lessons that this has to offer? And then we'll be able to go to the mall without a mask on if that's what you really want to do. But not until then. Until then, until we learn, the numbers are going to keep going up, boys and girls. That's just how this works. So let's find another way to deal with this. Let's find a way to stand up and face the facts instead of pretending like they're not there. Let's find a way to let it change us because that's where the healing happens. And frankly, I want you to do whatever you need to do in order to feel that change. Just like I said, Myrtle worked on that idea until it became a feeling. What does it take for you? to be taught? What does it take for you to change something? What is the hem of that garment for you? What is that? Because at the end of the day, I have some opinions about what I think works and what doesn't work, but at the end of the day, if it works for you, that's great. Past a certain point, I'm not here to judge that. If you know the story of Jesus, you know that when he spoke to the centurion about his servant, he wasn't even there, but the healing happened at a distance. To the blind man, he put some mud in his eyes and spit in the mud, and and that healed the blind man. But Jesus didn't then become a mud salesman. 
Jesus didn't start selling holy garments to people. And I'm quite sure that, that if this happened in the 21st century, someone would say, you know, you got to sell these outfits. The hem is magic. you got to sell the mud. The hem is magic. We can take on the powerful boat lobby with your walking on water mojo. But it wasn't about any of that stuff. And yet, over and over again, there's a healing. And over and over again, Jesus said, look, in one way or another, Jesus said, this is what it took for you. And that's fine. But remember, on a deeper level, your faith has made you well. In other words, can you be open to the idea that your faith is bigger than the mud, bigger than the garment, bigger than the outer thing? What I'm trying to say is if you've got some modality, some kind of healing thing you do that works for you, great. But understand that healing only happens a little bit here and there because life wants to happen. Healing wants to happen. And sometimes, despite our best efforts, we will heal. Isn't that amazing? But real healing only happens when we learn. So embrace whatever it was that worked for you, but understand that it's only going to really work for you if you let yourself be open to change. Let your prayer be, God, let me be changed. God, let me learn. I'm not going to ignore whatever it is that's in front of me. I want to learn from it. It's kind of the deal. A long time ago, I was sitting in my office here at home. I am blessed with the ability to work from home even before a pandemic. And uh, I was on the phone, and my wife walked in the door. Jenny came in, and she doesn't do that. She can hear when I'm on the phone, and everybody in this house knows not to come in because it's one of those things. She came in. So I already I knew something was going on. And she kind of mouthed the words, something's wrong. I got to go to the, to the doctor right now. Okay, so I got off the phone and we went to the walk-in clinic and, and we waited and did the stuff and filled out the things and, and they went in and they did a couple of tests and they said, uh, you need to go to the hospital. We're going to write this thing. You want an ambulance or can you go right now? So we went and there was something amazing about looking at what the doctor at the walk-in clinic wrote down. I couldn't make out a lot of the chicken scratch. It was, you know, like stereotypical doctor writing. But the word I could make out for sure was the word now with underlines. She said, give this to them at the emergency room and they'll let you write in. And so we rushed there and it was scary. And we rushed there and we gave them the piece of paper and they admitted Jenny and they did all kinds of tests and all kinds of things. And it started to get late in the day and it was just everything. And they decided to admit her to the hospital and we didn't know anything, anything. And I stayed right there by her side. And we just didn't know. And they were doing everything they could think to do. We knew it wasn't especially good news if they take you from the emergency room to give you a bed in the hospital. Not awesome, right? But we were grateful that she was in a safe place and all of that. And it got later and later in the day, and it was time for me to go home and deal with stuff back here and leave Jenny there at the hospital, which I hated doing, but you have to do sometimes. And What I didn't know is after I said goodnight to her, Late at night, a doctor came in, the last doctor on his shift at the hospital, and he said, I'm getting ready to go home now. I just want to give you an update. Um, we don't really know what's going on, but based on what we're seeing, we're pretty sure you have multiple sclerosis. So, you know, try to get some sleep. We'll do some tests in the morning. Night-night. Can you imagine? Now, I didn't know that until the morning because she didn't even tell me because there was no point. And she, she laid there, and it's her story to tell, and she tells it better than than I can, I can only imagine what that must have felt like. But what she told me is that 
in that hospital bed, in that room, they had those blinds, you know, the vertical blinds that only work the first day. And then after that, one of them is out of sync and they never close, right? You know those? And if you've ever been to St. Anthony's Hospital here in St. Petersburg, Florida, you know that they've got this giant neon cross. You can see it from all over the place when you drive by at night. But what you may not know is if your blinds are broken and you're in a hospital room, all you can see when you're trying desperately to get some sleep despite frightening news, all you can see is this neon cross. There's no accidents, you know. Of course, that's what she needed to see. Because if you know about this stuff, you know that that cross is a symbol of of life winning. That cross is a symbol of of whatever it is that needs to go away, being crossed out. That That cross is a symbol of what needs to die dying so that real life can happen. That cross is a symbol of getting out of God's way and facing something bigger. That cross is a symbol of ultimate victory. Man, oh man. And when you do your Bible work and you realize that in one way or another, every one of his words from the cross in one way or another are, okay, God, you got this. I give. In one way or another, that's what all of the words are. Reminding other people of that. Reminding himself that. Sharing that sentiment with the Lord. Everything that Jesus said from the cross in one way or another is a sign of surrender and victory all at the same time. And so Jenny saw that, and she said, you know what? Here we go. Where other people would be, I don't know, making out their will or calling everybody on the phone. She didn't even call her husband because she knew something. Where other people might be spending their whole night saying affirmations about how this is not real, this is not happening, I'm not here, I'm on the beach in Bora Bora, whatever it is. She said, okay, God, this is real. This is happening, but I recognize that because you gave me this, you also gave me what I need to do to overcome it. So I'm putting on my war paint now. I've got this, but you got me. That's the lesson. So I came the next morning, and I didn't know anything about that. I was still scared because the last thing I heard was the unknown. We sat together, and we talked together, and we laughed, and we prayed, and we did all the things that you do, and... They did every test that you can do. She spent approximately 17 years in an MRI tube in that one day. You know, you name it. They did every test they could do. And throughout the whole thing, this brave woman just said, okay, this is a fact, but it ain't the truth. There is something bigger about all of this. By the end of the day, they said, you know, we've done all these tests and you can go home. They had no great answers. And sometimes that's what the healing looks like. Sometimes the healing is like, eh, I don't know. A guy in a lab coat says, I guess you're good. And that's good enough. I'm so amazed at the miracle that can happen when you just go, you know what, God, this is real, but you are even realer. I give. That's the beginning of something. Look, I've seen all kinds of healings. Getting to be in this line of work, I'm so blessed to see healings in my own home with the people I love and healings in the church family, healings from total strangers. People share their stories. I'm part of those stories sometimes. The whole thing, it's an incredible blessing. It's one of the greatest things about getting to be a a minister. And the stories vary. There's different things that happen in and through every healing story. But here's the deal. 
If you're writing stuff down, get your pencils ready, you know? Because every healing, no matter how different the outer things are, has three things that have to happen for the healing to be a healing. The first thing that has to happen is release. If you want to heal, you got to let go. And sometimes that means forgiveness, but one way or another, it means looking at your heart and looking at your mind and looking at what you got going on on the inside and say, have I put anything in God's way? Have I put anything in the way of healing to happen? Is this about my ego and what I want? Is this about grudges that I'm holding with other people because you can't get healed if you're holding on to something that is not true? Because healing is the truth and you got to make room for it. So step one is release. It has to do with forgiveness. It has to do with letting go of whatever that sickness is in you. Is it okay with you that you're not defined by your hardship? That's the question, because some people are really excited about having a problem to complain about. Don't let that be you. The second step is agreement. In other words, is it okay with you that God likes you? Is it okay with you that healing can happen? Is it okay with you that God's got this? Can you do that? Can you agree with the healing? What would it feel like if I was alive? You know, silly question, but think about it. What's your answer? Work on feeling that feeling. And then the third step is action. You've got to take what you let go of and take what you hold on to and live that out loud. That means what does healing look like in your life? And it's not just physical. You're trying to heal your love life. What does love look like, for example? What does it look like in real life? How can you embody it? And it has to do with big things like standing up for truth and justice and beauty. And it also has to do with small things. If you do something and it started with the sentence, well, I know I shouldn't, but... What you're really saying is, I know this is not in alignment with healing in life, but I'm doing it anyway. Well, guess what? You're going to have less room for healing. If you know you shouldn't, then don't do it. That's the deal. Release, agreement, and action. At the end of the day, that's what it takes to get you to a place where you move from hem to heart. How can you feel this? How can you let that feeling light a fire in you? How can you face what's going on and say, okay, God, I see that this is happening, but greater is he who is within me than he who is in the world. And how can you act from that place and set everything else free? Because after all, freedom is a choice. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.